welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz, and my guest today is Jeremy Miller. He is a brand strategist, speaker, founder of Sticky Branding, and the author of Brand New Name, a proven step-by-step process to create an unforgettable brand name. So, Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. It's a pleasure to be here. So, I have to tell you, I'm going to have a confession. You mm-hmm. know my... Um, Brand name is Duct Tape Marketing. Yes. But my original company name was Jantz Communications. <laughs> I, I love that you changed your name then. It's uh, one of my favorite marketing names that has been unforgettable and uh, I've following you for years. And it just, it's, it's in that range that it just sticks. Well, Jantz Communications was terrible. <laughs> As a well, name, your name. you can't was, your, your own your family name. Your, your parents worked hard on it. It was my name, but uh, people thought I sold long distance or something. I don't know, <laughs> you know. So I'm dating myself, right? What is long distance? But at any rate, um, yeah. So we're going to talk about that. So let me ask you the first question: What mm-hmm. what's the job of a brand name? What does a brand name need to do to be successful? Well, I think of a brand name as a label on a file folder in your customer's mind. It's that thing that people refer to when they uh, they have a need. When you go to a grocery store, when you are talking to someone, we think in words. We think in names. It's the way we identify something. Uh, the, the, there's this classic scene in The Simpsons. I don't remember if you recall, but Mr. Burns loses his uh, his his power plant and he becomes a normal person. He has to do his own grocery shopping. He's sitting in the, the grocery aisle and he's looking at catsup and ketchup and he's just back and forth, ketchup, catsup. And everyone down the aisle look at him, what's this crazy person doing? And it's just, he doesn't have the, the words to, to know how to buy something. And that's the purpose of a name. It's that thing that gives you meaning. Well, and, and, you know, I, I'm full disclosure. I lucked on the duct tape marketing. I mean, I just thought that that sounded like a good name, but I didn't do, you know, all kinds of extensive research. But what everybody kept telling me every time I would say it is like, I get it. It tells a story. Um, mm. And so, you know, without really knowing, I think I kind of lucked on to really one of the key attributes of a great brand name, isn't it? I think so, and I think a great name absolutely does tell a story, and uh, and it, and that's what makes it memorable that, that we understand it. Now, not all names have to tell a story. A name could be an empty vessel. That was uh, uh, that you look at Kodak. That was George Eastman's vision was to create a name that meant nothing that he could breathe life into, so that it became a story of the Kodak moment. So you took a descriptive metaphor uh, and were able to apply it to marketing. We understand what duct tape is. We understand what marketing is. But by putting them together, it creates this aha moment. And, but it all depends on the entrepreneur strategy. What do you want your business to be? And then you choose the name that fits it. Well, so and, and let's go to that Kodak example because, yes, in hindsight, you know, huge brand name everybody knows what it meant or what it stood for you know at at one point um but do you when you come up with a name like that you know does it you know does it require then that you're going to invest so much energy and have to explain to people and describe it and 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 maybe even you know spend years you know getting getting it to become a household name Yes, absolutely. So when you choose an empty vessel, such as a Kodak or a Verizon or Hulu or any of those types of names, then you have to breathe life into it and make it your own. Um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's your opportunity that 
when people interact with your your business and your products and your service and your people, that's how you're inserting meaning and value into that name. But you're going to have to work harder to promote yourself. So you have that balancing act. But that's actually part of the strategy too. The biggest reason why we are going towards empty vessels is that there's a trademark issue. There's there's actually a naming drought. In the United States alone, we are registering 564,000 new small businesses every single month. And so that's 2% of the United States population starting a company at any given time. And that's just a mind-boggling number for me. Now, not all these businesses are going to survive, but they all need names and they all need websites. And then a chunk of them are going to do trademarks. And so we are today experiencing an issue where – all the available dot coms, if you're going to go buy a, a website, chances are you're going to have to buy it from someone else. It's like real estate. But if you throw the trademark element into the mix, now we've got really complicated things. So being able to register something like duct tape anything today, it's going to be really hard. You got in at a moment in time that uh, that cr- allowed you to create this powerful brand story. Well, and, and I, you know, I love the Hulu's and the, you know, the names that you threw out there when they really evoke emotion for me. Mm-hmm. You know, even if I don't know what it means, I like the sound of it or or something. Or or even right. then when it's when it's explained to me what it means, you know, sometimes. But can we also get too clever? I mean, I see a lot of people doing stuff where I'm kind of like, I can't even say that, let alone spell that. Well, I think I think there's absolutely that. So, my advice if you're inv- inventing a word is focus on something that is a phonetic spelling versus a Latin or Greek spelling. It's a lot easier to say Hulu than Verizon. And it's a lot easier to remember that. Same thing with Uber and other things. It's not even though they're short, uh, but Acura is an example of a phonetically spelled word that was invented. Uh, or Swiffer is another one. Uh, so we we speak and think in, in sounds, and whereas something that has more of, say, a pharmaceutical type of nature is a lot harder to remember. So there's that element of our programming as people. Uh, But I would also just say this, that a name is strategic. What you choose to name something should represent your brand, your positioning, what you're trying to create. So if you called, uh, say, a chain of uh, retirement living centers Purple Taco, (laughs) you probably have got the wrong strategy, even if it sounds kind of cool. So the name's got to fit what you want to create. So your strategy is where everything starts. Yeah, and, and the the name thing's hard because you know you can come up with and test some names, and you, I've found over the years, you know, you'll get feedback. People, oh, that's terrible, that's awful, you know. But then you go with it, and ten years in, it's like frisbee. Mm-hmm. You know, probably a stupid sounding name the first time somebody heard it, but then mm-hmm. you know became. And again, I, not everybody's looking for you know naming a whole category of a, of a device, but. Uh, I think that's a isn't that a good example of sometimes you got to throw stuff out there that at first maybe doesn't just sound right. I, I think uh, I, I'm going to come back to the frisbee story in a second, uh, but the uh, the yes, a, a quirk, something that is odd or doesn't quite fit, like Slack. How could a, a product focused on team collaboration have all these negative connotations, but the name is just great? Uh, same thing with Banana Republic. That If you look at the history of what Banana Republics are, calling a clothing brand that is a pretty risky, bold move. But those quirks are what make something so memorable. And, and you mentioned Frisbee. That's actually a story I tell in the book. 
Frisbee, so Fred Morrison, who was the inventor of the Frisbee, hated that name. He thought it was the dumbest thing. He wanted – the original name was called Pluto Platters. Uh, and uh, so Frisbee was bought by Whammo. They were the guys who created Hulu Hoop and Silly Strink. And, and so uh, Fred Nair, who was one of the founders, uh, went out and uh, he visited uh, Fred Morrison in Connecticut near Yale. And he saw uh, all the kids were calling this thing Frisbee. And it turns out Frisbee was uh, a pie company in Connecticut. And what the kids did in this before Netflix and, and, and internet and iPhones, they would take empty pie tins and, and throw them around the, the quad. And so they took the name of the pie tins and applied it to these flying saucers. And Fred Nair was just a brilliant marketer, and he saw what, what the customers were already calling it and took that. And now a little word from our sponsor. Intercom wants more of the nice people visiting your website to give you money. So they took a little chat bubble in the corner of a website and packed it with conversational bots, product tours, NPS surveys, all sorts of things that amplify your team and help you reach more nice people. Intercom customer Unity got 45% more loyal users with Intercom in just 12 months. Go to intercom.com slash podcast to start making money from real-time chat. Then see everything else Intercom can do. That's intercom.com slash podcast. So tell me this. Does everything need a name? In other words, yes. should we be naming our processes and our products and our divisions and our job titles, you know, branded? Yes. Yes, 100%. Uh, I think you can go probably a little too crazy on it, but uh, I would say for something to exist, it needs a name. Uh, and I think the, especially in the professional services world, if we're selling thought leadership, you look at just how you name your systems, how you name your 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 services, not only does it give it gravitas from a customer marketing perspective, it gives it gravitas from an, an internal perspective. So that if you are talking about your efficiency and the way you t deliver uh, customer service, simply by giving that thing a name creates value. And so naming is probably the most important construct of language because once something has a name it gets it gains meaning and if you are deliberate on this you are making choices of how you are going to grow your business yeah and i think sometimes you can it it, it makes it you said gives it meaning but it, it also makes it tangible it's almost like oh here's proof that we have a you know 37 step process to make sure that you know your product or your service gets done right where everybody else is just saying trust us Exactly. And in the world of differentiation, in the world of, especially if we're looking at small businesses, often we are selling something that somebody else is already selling. Uh, so how you describe your services, how you describe what makes you unique and why you do what you do, those simple things of giving them names are what affix meaning and give you credibility when you, you describe your 37-step process for delighting your customer. That and People go, Oh, that's why you do that. So, and I know the answer to this is yes. Is there a process for 100%. coming up with a name? You want to share that with us? Sure. So I'll, I'll tell you a bit of the, the, the where it came from. So I'm a serial entrepreneur and, and you are too. And we work with lots of entrepreneurs. And naming is one of those vexing things that consumes so much time. And, and every time you find a great name, you find it someone else has taken it. And, uh, and so... The reason why I wrote this book was I tried to answer the question of 
what do I wish I had when I went through that naming process? And so brand new name uh, draws on the ideas of uh, the GV Sprint and Agile Project Management. And the idea is over the course of two to four weeks, it gives you three stages to build your strategy, generate lots of ideas, and test and select the right name for your brand. And so in stage one, we need to build a strategy. What does it mean to, uh, to have a great name and how are you going to know it when you see it? And step two, I believe in employee co-creation, which is how do we get everybody on our team to participate and generate as many ideas as we can over the course of five days? And then the hardest part of naming isn't coming up with ideas. It's that vetting process. How do we find one that resonates, is fits the brand, and most importantly, we can own it? And so that's what the book does in, in, uh, for, in, in in the, the span of that book, everything you need to name a book, uh, to name something, whether it's a company, a product, or service, is all there in those pages. Go back to number one for me, because I yeah. think that's actually the hardest part for a lot of companies okay. because they don't they don't have a strategy anyway, and so like right. a naming strategy, you know, is like a subdivision of strategy. So how, you know, how what what are the actual steps in that? So what we start off with is defining uh, what is it you're naming. And so it, it's the simple question of what are you naming? Is it a company? Is it a product? Is it a service? And then describing it. In my first book, Sticky Branding, uh, I talked about this idea called simple clarity, which is the ability to describe who you are, what you do, and who you serve in 10 words or less. And so we build on this a little bit. And part of what we look at is in, in developing your strategy is to be able to answer those basic questions. What are we naming? What are the criterias? Who are our customers? How do they buy? Who are our competitors? What are the naming trends in that space? And what is it going to take to stand out? And so uh, we go through those questions so that you could set some naming principles. But what you said is very interesting. It's, it's a subset of strategy. Oftentimes, though, when we are doing a naming strategy or when I introduce this to somebody, this is the first time they've actually ever considered some of these questions to, as brand because we're not necessarily thinking about brand all the time. So naming is the first step for many people to actually ask the deliberate questions of who are we, where do we play, how do we win, how do we want to be known, and by simply getting that down on paper – starts to set the guidelines for what it's going to take to find a brilliant name. So I've worked with a lot of small business owners and we go through the whole strategy thing. And and just like Jance Communications I talked about was a lousy name. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, I have to, to, to deliver the really bad news that we need to change the name of your business. Sure. Um, is, is that something that, I mean, you've probably faced it before. Um, and if, if the name's wrong, I mean, I suppose we can live. But, you know, we're not going to get the message across. We're not going to get the differentiation across. How do you how do you address or kind of approach that idea of maybe the, the name now is going to be sort of the leading edge of our strategy because it's going to be something that we're going to have to change everything about? I mean, how do you how do you address that? Front for, uh, face forward and, and, and deal with it head on. Um, so. We deal with name changes all the time in our practice. And, and so, for example, uh, a large part of my work is with multi-generational family businesses. And we did a, a naming project uh, a couple of years ago where it was called A1 Shipping Supplies. It was made for the Yellow Pages, basically. But 35 years later, there's no Yellow Pages and A1 looks cheesy as hell. 
And oh, oh, by the way, they're doing food packaging, primarily not shipping supplies. And so you you deal with it when your name is causing dissonance or hurting your credibility or preventing growth. You you change it now. In their case, they changed their name to Rocket Line, and they create a, a quirky, whimsical name that was didn't have a lot of meaning, but it allowed them to shape what they want to be. But the key in changing a name is that all that meaning and all those experiences people have had with you are associated with the one name. You have to deliberately pour those contents into the other vessel. And so you have to have a marketing strategy and a communication strategy of how you're going to convey what your new name is and why you're changing it to customers, prospects, and whoever it is. The nice thing is that a small business, you could probably call up all of your customers and tell them face-to-face or over the phone why you did it. Whereas if you're talking about a large global or multinational company, it's a lot more complicated. But generally speaking, it's not that hard. And so if your name hurts you, change it. Is there a place for a transition? In other words, go through two name changes or something. I mean, where we, we kind of like, you've seen people do that where they like blend the logos or something like yeah. that. You know, is it, does that make sense or does that just make it harder? I guess you would have to tell me what the strategy is. I think when, within mergers that sometimes makes sense. Uh, but those are probably larger entities with a larger communication strategy. What I would suggest is go with the name for the brand you want to be. So whatever you look at three, five, 10 years, that's, don't worry about what's happening in the next 18 months. Think about where you're going and choose the name for that. What you need though in your communication strategy is where most people underestimate is how long they should be communicating the change. So they do say a 90 day or a six month campaign to communicate the change. We did a press release. Yeah, that's not, it's 18 months minimum, 18 (laughs) months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You already mentioned this idea of domain names. I mean, how, like, have you, have you ever come up with a name and then first thing you did was look for the domain and just said, no, it's an, it's a non-starter because we can't get a good name. Um, Is that, I mean, are we at a point where that is dictating branding? If you asked me this question five years ago, I would have said yes, 100%. Today, no. Uh, I think domain names are losing a little bit of relevance. Uh, so now we add a descriptor. So the chance of you, so for example, say you wanted to call your company Grant and you want a grant.com. Well, I know that's available right now, but it's $10,000 a month on lease. So I don't know about you, but I got better ways to spend uh, that kind of money on an annual basis. Uh, so what you look at is so Tesla was Tesla Motors until very recently, or Buffer ran as Buffer app until their second round of funding and they could afford to buy the dot com. That put a descriptor, focus on creating a great name and then put a descriptor on it or get creative. One of my favorites is Zoom. They have Zoom.us or Zoom Us. So they made their name a verb. Um, the only place people are seeing uh, domain names primarily today is in your marketing collateral and your business cards. When you go to a browser, you type in the word, not in the URL. And when you see it on a website or somewhere else, you click the link. Or more likely, you're going to be talking to Siri or Alexa and not even saying the URL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and there's, as you just mentioned, .us and .ios and all those, I think, have become yeah. uh, pretty, you know, people very accepting of those. And I think you're right. Uh, I mean, I, th- I guess where it comes into, I'm sure there's a Zoom.com. Um, I haven't, mm-hmm. I haven't Googled it, but I'm sure there's a zoom.com. And, and so then, 
you know, if somebody has the exact name in a .com, you know, that probably could lead to some confusion. It could, but you have to look at, it's like trademarks. Are they in the same space, in the same category? Like you have Pandora, which is jewelry, and Pandora, which is uh, a, a streaming music service. Uh, so you can have uh, multiple companies using the same names, but because they operate in different places, they can get away with it. Um, and especially small businesses, chances are we are local. And so uh, the the fact that there's someone else named what you're named in another state, it may not be all that relevant. And you're right. Um, people have – the behavior has changed. You know, it used to be .com or nothing else. And I think that now it's uh, – as you said, it's – it's not so important that people are typing in as long as you do the fundamental SEO stuff with it. And 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 also, here's my most fundamental comment to branding, and this is a bit uh, flippant, but build a great business that that you see all these like my, the classic examples. You see a restaurant that comes out with brilliant marketing, brilliant ad campaign, beautiful restaurant, great everything, and then you get food poisoning. That, 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 so the brand is, don't go back to that place. I got food poisoning. None of the marketing mattered. And I think you could actually start a small business with a terrible name uh, and but do such great work that people love you and they come back and they refer you. And that's your brand, actually. It's the way people it, – it's two parts. A brand is based on what you've done, so the results that you have delivered to your clients. And branding is what you're going to do. Now, if the name starts to hurt you or you grow beyond it, now you need marketing that needs reach and that crappy name doesn't work for you anymore, absolutely change it. But never lose sight that the quality of your business is the number one predictor of the quality of your brand. Yeah, I, I've often said, um, and people, listeners of my show will recognize this, that you know every business has a brand. I think it's just whether or not they are directing it intentionally. <laughs> so that, it. that goes so much to that. Um, Jeremy, where can people find out more about you and your work? And of course, pick up a copy of Brand New Name. Well, Brand New Name will be sold wherever books are sold. It comes out on October 8th, and so Amazon for sure. And the best way to find me is just to Google Sticky Branding. Uh, StickyBranding.com is my website, and I'm on all the social networks at Sticky Branding, and I'd love to connect with everyone. Awesome. Thanks for taking the time, Jeremy, and hopefully we'll see you out there on the road soon. Awesome. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. 